Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, the, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK, Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. If you're not a subscriber, before we get into the episode here, uh, please do hit that subscribe button and put out an interview every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over at Consequence of Sound. And we'd love to keep you up to date on all of those. Of course, you can subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from, like iTunes and Apple Podcasts, but also Spotify or YouTube if that's uh, more your speed. I'm Kyle Meredith. It's a special episode. We're going to be featuring two interviews today. Two artists, two different artists that uh, both have 2019 releases that I absolutely love. Duran Jones and The Indications and Katie Tubin. Now, later on, we'll get to the Katie Tubin interview. If you, if you know her name, if it sounds familiar, but you're not quite placing it, uh, formerly of Houndmouth. Katie used to be in Houndmouth, and we're going to be talking about her debut solo album called Magnetic Moves. So that's on the way. But I want to get started with Duran Jones and the Indications. Earlier this year, they gave us their latest album called American Love Call. And I jumped on the phone with uh, Duran Jones and drummer, co-writer Aaron Frazier to talk about this new record. It's lush orchestration and how that has a callback to classic soul music and how writing with that in mind also affected the lyrics. Some of those lyrics, very poignant, by the way. We'll discuss uh, the lead-off cut, Morning in America, and play a little game. Is it a love song? 
or is it a political song? Could be neither. Could be both. There's also some talk of sampling and what the future holds for the band. Getting us started here on a special edition, it's Kyle Meredith with Duran Jones and the Indications. Yes, indeed, man. How are you? Let me give those compliments. American Love Call just being such an excellent record. Uh, hearing you guys, uh, so you're, you're from right up the road. I mean, uh, Bloomington, you know, we're right here in Louisville. And I got to tell you, on that first record, uh, before you guys got signed, all of my friends were texting me, asking me if I'd heard about you all. So your reputation precedes you around here. That's awesome. Man. I appreciate it. With this record, I mean, the first thing we hear, I guess, in comparison to that first album, it's the orchestration. It seems like it plays a big part on this record. And I, I was wondering, did uh, did you all go into it wanting that, or did the songs sort of ask for it? I'd say it's a, this is Aaron speaking. I, I'd say it's a little bit of both. Our taste definitely changed over the course of touring between, you know, after we put out the first record and then writing the second one. And we started listening to a lot more 70s soul and the hallmarks of 70s soul are more orchestration and more vocal harmony because they were drawing from the doo-wop groups of the 1950s. Uh, but the drums are still heavy, and that was sort of this, this magic balance that, that we loved when we were trying to strike on American Love Call. If, if you're looking for that, then, if you, if you start looking specifically in a direction, 70s soul, as you're saying, do you follow suit when working on the lyrics, or, or does that tend to be still more personal? It's definitely more personal. We're a group that, that writes a lot from from our experiences and we try to keep things contemporary like you know soul music is is a great vehicle for delivering a a, a message whether it's like a love message or political message uh, in any era and um, so we, we weren't trying to be you know period perfect with our with our lyrical content which is right in what we know really get that especially well let's start you know the first single it's hard not to, to to directly talk about that when the first song on the record anyway with morning in america because it's such a strong statement and it's a great song on top of that and i think both of those have to be said because i, I know a lot of the tension you know gets directed at, at those lyrics and everything but 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 they are it, it is a strong message and, and just that phrase in itself you know morning in america I, I know that Reagan didn't coin it per se, but it is really associated with that era and, and specifically that guy when you go back in history. For you, did, did you take it from that or did it mean something different f- for you all? I was aware of the Reagan slogan. That wasn't exactly so, you know, we weren't making a comment necessarily on, on the Reagan era, although, I mean, I do think the specter of the Reagan administration probably hung over the, the 2016 election right it's more it's more just like when we're traveling from town to town we're meeting all these people of all different colors uh and different communities uh and there's young exciting leaders emerging there's a lot of cool scenes blooming even at, at the kind of higher levels of politics there are exciting leaders but then you turn on the news and you read the larger headlines and uh it's it's pretty bleak so it's a weird time of like both hope and despair and we're trying to capture that it has ties into something called the Poor People's Campaign, too, that I read. Could, could one of you all tell me about that? Yeah, the Poor People's Campaign was a movement started by Martin Luther King Jr. shortly before his assassination. And it's a nonpartisan movement that's uh, dedicated to working towards economic justice for people of all backgrounds. I, I came across that this year. Uh, and forgive me, I mean, I'm pulling out a stat and I, I can't quite remember the source, but it was 
percent of Americans uh, live paycheck to paycheck, and that's regardless of race. You know, I mean, race is an essential part of the conversation. If you're not talking about it, you if you're not factoring it into your worldview, you're you're missing you're missing something. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that we share regardless of our racial or ethnic background, and that. For most people in the country, that's a common economic struggle. And, and, and I'll say further, it sounds like that goes into uh, to, to the lead radio single with Long Way Home. I mean, that's, that's further down that comment, right? In a way, yeah, it can be, for sure. The hook of that song in the first verse came from an area uh, in my life where I was struggling, where it was really tough and it was really hard to get through things. So, yeah, I definitely do. I would agree with that. It just, I mean, you don't know how much time you guys got to spend back in Bloomington, you know, these days with all the road, but I'm guessing it's probably a situation that we have here with a, with a blue town in a red state you know, which we definitely do definitely know something about here. But I don't know, I guess I just find that really interesting, you know, kind of being in that situation, how you can perceive, how, how you, it sounds like you perceive the uh, the, the rest of the country and, and get it filtered into songwriting. I mean, it sounds like that was a really big deal for this record, at least. Yeah, I mean, the politics plus traveling plus our, our own growth as, as people, we, we tried to capture it on paper. I mean, it's more than a political uh, record. Uh, I mean, a lot of the songs, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's interesting because the songs seem to play two sides of the coin. I can, I'd never can completely tell if I'm listening to a social justice song, a political song, or, or a heartbreak song, you know? And I guess the heartbreak seems to be sometimes related to what's happening at large. I don't know if you meant to do that trick. Is, is, that, is that part of the writing? It just happened very naturally and organically, honestly. Like on a song called uh, Court of Love. I mean, you get that really good twist in that, right? I mean, that's, that's one of those things where am I listening to a love song or am I listening to something else? Yeah, I mean, it, that's, a, that's a good example. It definitely reflects a little bit of the, maybe of, of the, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure how to say it, uh, like the politicization of, you know, people's personal relationships. Maybe when a relationship ends, you know, accusations might fly from, from both sides. I mean, mostly I wanted to capture like the melodrama of that moment of a breakup and it feels like your friends are, are, are suddenly the judge and jury and you're feeling to them about whose fault it is who's to blame and uh doo-wop i think has that level of melodrama anyway so that felt like the right like context for that kind of song and i want to hit on one more song too because how can i be sure it always seems like to me the second record for a lot of bands does end up being the road record and i was really impressed and surprised that for the most part i I don't hear (laughs) this record as the road record but uh but how can i be sure it seems to like that's that's the song right that's the road song that's definitely a road song. But it's, I mean, I also think about all my friends who are like in grad school or they're, anytime you're chasing a dream with everything that you have, you, it, it, you're probably going to be sacrificing elements, other elements of your life. And a lot of times that's going to be a relationship, whether that's romantic or platonic. When you chase that dream with everything, yeah, you, you, you make the sacrifice. So what what happens from here? I mean, I don't want to get ahead on the next record, but uh, do, I mean, if you're looking at certain eras, do you guys consider maybe what the next sound will be? I just want to write stuff that I like, and that's where I'm going to keep my heart, you know, if it's really going to get to me in that way, then, then yeah. 
Durand, I, I did read something about uh, you. You were talking about growing up, you know, listening to a lot of music that was uh, based on samples, uh, and, I, and I think maybe it was another article that came out just yesterday talking about how artists are finally starting to do that again. You know, it kind of went away for a minute there. Uh, it might have been Aaron, but yeah, they listened to like a lot of you know hip hop where I grew up. It was it was filled in the streets, you know. It's a dying art where I live now, but back in the day, yeah, a lot of dudes used to like bump that dude, bump that stuff in the back of their trunks, you know, to the point where you could hear the rattle, sometimes even feel it, you know, inside of your house as they're driving down the street. I grew up with that stuff, and I, and I really love it, and I want to pay homage to all of the great soul songs that have been sampled by hip-hop artists, and that's always, you know, like, I think that would be like an ultimate goal for us or like the ultimate thank you is to is to see or hear an MC sampling our stuff and um, making a hip-hop track out of it. Well, I can't give you guys enough compliments on what you're doing. Uh, we really do love American Love Call over here. Aaron, Duran, thank you both for the conversation today. Okay. My pleasure, man. Thanks for your time. See you later. Thanks for the That's Duran Jones and Aaron Frazier of Duran Jones and the Indications talking about the album American Love Call. Now I'll move to part two of today's special episode. Katie Tupin, formerly of Houndmouth, she's got her debut solo album called Magnetic Moves, and we're going to get really deep into the personal hurdles that she had to overcome, finding her own voice, the multiple attempts at recording this record, and how being a hopeless romantic and a breakup inspired much of the arc of the lyrics of this record. There's also some discussion about uh, the days right after she left Houndmouth a few years ago and what that period in her life was like. She's one of my friends, and and I'm so happy to be talking to her about such an important record in her career. Talking about the record Magnetic Moves, it's Kyle Meredith with Katie Tupin. Hello. Let me give you the compliments. Magnetic Moves, uh, I got to listen to it, and this is way better than I even thought it would be, that I even hoped it would be. You've you've done it. You've done a great record. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, for all the listeners who don't know, uh, of course, you you were you were in Houndmouth for the last few years, and you dropped out of that band in what was that twenty sixteen? Three years ago. Three years ago. Okay, and and since then you've left our, our our Louisville area here for the big old city of Los Angeles, and and that seems to be a big part of the story. How important has LA been for you in this rebirth? I think it's been really important. You know, um, Louisville had become comfortable. You know, and I think that. Starting something new, I needed to struggle a little bit. And I need that's <laughs> so torture sounding. But um, I needed, you know, I needed that sort of space of absolutely nobody in L.A. knows who I am or anything I've done. And so that, that part of the struggle, I think, was really important part of the creative process. You, this, this whole album has been sort of a, a start-stop thing, too, right? I mean... I mean, getting out there wasn't just the first part of the puzzle. Like, there, there are, I guess, several versions of this record that happened beforehand? Yeah. So I've been recording since I, I left uh, Houndmouth. You know, it's been just such a process because, you know, it's a, a finding my own sound and finding my own footing outside, you know, having a normal life outside of just being on the road all the time. There's been a lot of pieces to it. And so, um, you know, I, I put out Moroccan Ballroom, which was a live EP that I recorded in L.A., um, which was a really nice sort of dipping the toes back into the world of uh, making music for other people. But, you know, I, I, I kept looking for a producer 
And um, I would try out different people and try different songs, different people, and write all these songs. And um, nothing was really landing. Uh, I mean, I got real close to, to, to finding a producer, and then the timing didn't work out. And I... Um, I did this house show tour where I fans would host me, and this was last fall. And on the house show tour, I was in Austin, and I had a day off. And I said, you know, I just want to go record a song. And I asked a friend where to go. And he pointed me in the direction of a place called The Finishing School, which is owned by the band of Heathens guys. And I went in, and there's this guy, Scott Davis, who played um, almost all the instruments on the record, and Josh Blue, who played all the percussion. And we just knocked out a song called The Hills Are Calling, which is on the on the album, really quickly and, and painlessly. And it, and it just had such a vibe, and I knew that I had to make my record there. So... It was, um, and then I, I was just going to produce it myself, and and it just took a long time to figure that out and find the right fit. So, so once you get to that point, as you mentioned, finding your own voice, uh, finding your own sound. When did you start? When did that start finally taking shape? And and what exactly did that mean? What was that for you? Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I think it just it took like writing a lot of songs and a lot of time of just like finding my own self, you know, because my identity had really been wrapped up in that band in Hellmouth for my entire adult life. So I didn't really know who I was and so uh or what I what I liked outside of that. And so I you know, I really wanted the the album to be sort of direct and sort of vulnerable and and it was a very painful process <laughs> of of trial and error and, and um and sort of letting go of of what anyone else thinks I should be or all of that. You know, there was sort of an added pressure, I think, from being in Houndmouth to please everyone. And you just can't, you know, uh, you just can't do that. And, that. and so I just took a lot of trial and error. And then uh, the, the batch of songs uh, I was really, really ha- happy with for Magnetic Moves. They're all sort of real and vulnerable and kind of direct, you know, they're not sort of super masked in metaphor, masked in overly masked in imagery and, and other things that I was sort of used to hiding behind. It's it's not what I would say, uh, I, I guess, uh, a romance record, but but it is. I mean, it's not a heartbreak record, but it is. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a breakup involved in this record, uh, a romantic a romantic aspect and um and i i am you know i'm a romantic person i just i am i'm sensitive and i think that being able to be vulnerable in that way is is a strength and i wanted to make a record that was vulnerable and real and showed that it's good to love and it's even though it's painful it's important and you know all of that you know i think that that's an important like maybe the most important part of life is to love I mean, you, you get that in the titles. There's one called Real Love. I mean, and, and it's kind of splashed all over the record, even if you're only looking at the track list there. Which, by the way, I, I'll bring up Real Love real quick and the history of the spoken bridge, which you have now added <laughs> on to. You're, you're definitely hitting a mood with that one there. Yeah. So I love that's probably my favorite song on the record. And the bridge was actually sung, and then I went and recorded a harmony that was sort of spoken behind it. And I said, oh, the harmony is way cooler. And it sort of has that, like, old Dolly Parton or something vibe to it that I really like. I feel like the young kids are going to be like, oh, it's like Lana Del Rey. But it's, it's, I wasn't really going for that. Yeah, I love, I love that. 
Yeah. I'm going to do more of that. <laughs> there are some sounds on here that, that actually surprised me because when you get to In Your Dreams, I thought, is that Dixieland I'm hearing? Is that some <laughs> 70s country? Yeah. Uh, I mean, or, or, you know, I, I hear like a Beatles-y, jangly sort of vibe in that one. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, I guess while I'm on the, uh, on, on the songs here, I Need You is really great. It's one of my favorites on here. What's what I find interesting though is when you go down, there's a bonus track that says "I'm gonna let you go," and and I thought I don't know if you sequence it that way, but there is a story told. I guess the the whole thing. I mean, you've already mentioned there is a breakup. Does the does the record kind of tell that entire story? Is that what this is? Yeah, I mean, it definitely touches on all the different pieces of that, and it was uh, writing it sort of throughout the phase of the demise of this relationship that I was I was involved in. Yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> As much as you want to go into it. <laughs> yeah. It does if that's I mean, the period. It's not necessarily like linear or something. The record's not like linear about it. Um, it just sort of touches on different perspectives. Each song sort of, I think, touches on a, a little different perspective of, you know, relationship. With the uh, the title track getting, you know, being the first single, Magnetic Moves, what does that phrase mean? It's you know it's a it's the it's the magnetism between two people and then you know in a more broader way it's it's uh you know the, your magnetism you know you, you, what you attract and I just thought that the phrase was was so compelling. There's a, there's a quote I think in the press release you say using your magnetism to create the world you want to live in, which you know yeah this phrase yeah, goes far like, beyond relationship status right here. This is yeah. something much bigger. Yeah, I mean, I felt, you know, the last three years I've done so much work on myself and so much, um, I, you know, dive, diving really deep in some spirituality and some other sort of things, you know, holistic sort of sort of aspects of things and manifesting a world that I want to live in and creating that. Because I think um, for a long time I was sort of at the mercy of my surroundings and decisions that I had made you know, in my early 20s or even teens. And I had to come up with a whole new formula and a whole new way of going about that. And, you know, if you, if you follow me on Instagram, I talk about lots of lots of stuff, you know, regarding that, that sort, of, sort of thing. But, yeah, you know, what you think about, you bring about. And it goes with the type of people that you attract and, and ultimately your entire, your entire world. So, you know, you can, you can, dumb it down a little bit to to make it apply to a relationship but it is a much broader uh, topic and that time in between i mean it does seem so transformative and uh, you know i i would have to ask what were the days right after you left the band like for you because i i don't know was was that freedom or was that scary or or all of the above i mean what was life like at that point taking that leap you know it, it wasn't it wasn't joyous by any means i can't go too much into it but i you know it wasn't great so and definitely there was a lot of fear around it and a lot of you know because it wasn't just leaving a band it was leaving my identity you know like that's who i was i mean that's the only person that i really knew that i was um or had been you know my entire adult life you know that you know i started playing music with matt when i was 18 and then um was with Hellmouth until i was 26 when I left and so there was nothing else you know and so it was a really scary time and a really raw time and and I was really lost and so so there was just there just had to be it was like forced growth you know it's not fun (laughs) (laughs) well I mean it really did lead to all the right spots you know for 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 whatever you had to suffer the art 
does turn out. I mean, it uh, it's not for nothing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Because I'm, well, know. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say well, this. Let me say this because I, I I was privy to hear some early versions of this. I think I heard some of the first demos of this that, that you allowed yeah. me some years back, and I remember thinking like, oh, this is good. Just thinking at that point, it's a good starting direction and i guess i'm glad that you didn't release it in in that version because whatever that became this is worlds ahead of that Uh, i I really i love listening to this record yeah you know i think that being patient and knowing when it's right to release it i mean that was really important because there was a lot of recordings like magnetic moves alone i think it's that song i have five fully produced versions of before i came to this version you know, it just took, it just takes some time. And um, I think, you know, young, un, more unexperienced artists maybe get excited and want to release the first thing that, that comes to mind. And, and that's just, you know, it's just not, it's just not wise. And, um, and ultimately, you know, the music is for me, you know, like I'm, I make music because I need to express something and I need to say something. And then, you know, releasing it into the world is a whole different thing. You know, it's a, it needs to be, it, it's got to be, the, the quality of it has to be right, you know, and, and that's hard to define, but you just know it when it's there. And, you know, when I, when I made Matt this record, when I did this set of recordings, I said, oh, you know, I think this is, this is the moment, this is it. But yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for at least uh, seeing the potential, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I wanted to ask about a, a little side note here, too, because I got an email uh, from Daniel Martin Moore putting out the Pine Mountain Sessions, and you're a part of that compilation as well. Yeah, uh, that was a long time ago. Um, I recorded uh, like a sort of folky song with Daniel at his house, and and he was starting that project, and uh, it's called Lover Tonight, my song that I that I put on that. And it was so funny because he... He was like, he sent me this thing last week and was like, hey, I'm I'm releasing this thing. And I was like, did I write a song for that? (laughs) I was like, are you sure that I'm a part of that? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, good, because I want to be a part of that. (laughs) Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a really special song that's on it. And I was actually sort of saving that, that song for I don't know, for something special down the line. So I'm actually really happy that it's released. Yeah. It's going to be released. Something special, right? There it is. And you didn't even have to try. It's our, every time I don't try, it's all, it's all fine. <laughs> There's the pull quote right there, right? That, that's it. <laughs> yeah, just just stop trying. Just be. Just be yourself, and it's all good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you do try. It, just the same. Compliments to Magnetic Moves. Uh, when's it out? When's the release date? It's June 14th. Awesome. All right, Katie, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for doing this. Right, thank you, Kyle. Thank Early... you, Kyle. I appreciate it. See you in June. All right. See you then. Yeah, I look forward to it. All, All right. right. Bye. Katie Tupin talking about her debut solo record, Magnetic Moves. And thanks to Katie for the conversation. Thanks also to Duran Jones and The Indications, and again, their record, American Love Call, and for you for checking out the series. In fact, uh, again, if, you, if you're not already a subscriber and you enjoyed what you heard, we put out interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound, so please do subscribe wherever you're listening from right now. Uh, that might be wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, including iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. 
You can find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.